Thanks for listening to the Underdog Podcast presented by the Riley Decker Companies. Please do us a favor and help us change and improve lives by subscribing and giving us a rating on the platform of your choice. Thank you. Jay, welcome to the Underdog Podcast. Glad to have you. Oh, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, our uh, our good buddy Neil Walker decided not to show up on us today as a celebrity co-host, so we can just go ahead and uh, fire away. Because I'm unlike Neil, you know, it's unlike Neil. I, I've I've known Neil a long time now, playing against him with him and um, roommates. Um, he's a reliable guy. Yeah, yeah, but he he says he's daddy duty, but I'm thinking it might be golf duty today. That's what I'm, I'm probably I'm, a little of both. I wouldn't be surprised if he's taking him to the golf course. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Well. It's an honor to have you, Jay. Really appreciate your time and uh, look forward to sharing a little bit of your journey with our listeners here at the Underdog Podcast. So, you know, I think something I saw being here in Cincinnati, obviously you're beloved here and, uh, you know, appreciate your body of work in the community, obviously with the the Reds, but being that highly touted prospect, right? Being one of the, the number one prospect coming out, you know, with high expectations, you had a 14 year career and started right here in Cincinnati you kind of talk about those early years transitioning out of a, as a very young man into professional baseball? Yeah. I mean, so obviously I have a lot of people to thank and it's, uh, it's tough to like know where to start, but you know, it started with my parents and my high school coach and you know, he played professional baseball. And so as a, as a high school player, he kind of, it was more of a management situation than it was like actual coaching. Obviously he, you know, he made sure we were in a good spot to, to be successful, but he also taught me a lot about responsibility and, um, you know, kind of what, what that responsibility looks like as someone who does have the talent and is going to be, you know, put kind of on a pedestal and be, you know, a lot of things expected out of them. And so going into pro ball, like I felt like I was pretty prepared to be honest with you. And I really never even thought about it. Um, I just wanted to play ball. I mean, I, I honestly like that. I just, I just loved baseball and it was just what I was supposed to do. And, you know, being the the number one, you know, having, having the success and, and honestly the good fortune of health um, throughout my minor league career was, was important in, you know, playing that role of becoming, you know, the top prospect and getting to the big leagues early. And, you know, it was really until I got to the big leagues, I'd never had any failure. I had never struggled. Yeah. And, um, I'll, go ahead. Um, you know, being drafted, just sorry to interrupt there, but just to jump in yeah. on the 2005 first round, I mean, obviously falling up a lot of the folks, if I remember was, you know, the next Griffey high expectations and to go back to that point here in Cincinnati. And I, I think this is a baseball town. I think you would probably second that. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and then just doing so well here, obviously everyone knows the two, I, I can't, I can't go to the ballpark or anywhere in Cincinnati without seeing that 2010, uh, home run. So, um, you know, living up to that and obviously 319 home runs you had over, you know, let's see here, 951 RBIs, just South of a thousand, 1600 games plus played. I mean, that's sustaining excellence. What would you say, you know, going back once again, I guess is another kind of general question. Sorry, not not trying to be too general here, but what what do you think was the big piece of that health? Was it a little bit of luck just staying healthy in baseball? Because I know it's a grind or, you know, was it your preparation, a little bit of all between? I think it was a little bit of everything. I think that, you know, luck, fortune, whatever you want to call it, plays a, plays a big role. And, 
um, you know, honestly, like coming to the big leagues, I was a kid, you know, I had no idea what it, what it looked like to have like a dedicated routine and, you know, what it looked like to actually like, I thought I knew what hard work was like diligent work, hard work, but like, I did not learn that. until I was probably 23 years old. And honestly, two people, in my opinion, really helped kind of shape my career. And that's Joey Votto and Scott Rowland. Those two guys were so instrumental in, um, you know, forcing me and honestly, like expecting me to, to figure out how to get better, how to become a major leaguer, you know? Um, and, you know, Joey in a lot of ways was my peer uh, coming up and playing with him and, you know, all, getting to experience a lot of firsts with him. Um, but Scott was, I mean, my mentor and he was incredible. And I think he's a hall of famer. And I think Walt Jockety knew what he was doing when he traded for, for, for Scott. I think he wanted him for his on the field stuff, but we had a young kind of impressionable team at the time. And Scott was the perfect person to, to kind of come in and, and lead by example. Yeah. And as far as just sticking on Votto, obviously he's still playing at a high level here in Cincinnati when did you know like he was just a generational player was that right off I know he was like you said up here did you just know right off the rip that you're like this guy's different was it just his like approach to the game you know what what makes I, I love to learn knowledge nuggets I call them like what makes people yeah. special that maybe obviously Joey gets a lot of coverage but maybe it's something that was like you as a teammate now that you're retired looking back with a different lens what makes that guy special I guess from your standpoint yeah. So, you know, honestly, I knew that he was different really when I first, like when I first met him, I mean, the way he approaches the game is much more measured and precise than most people, you know, for me, even, I, I mean, I, I went out and I was just playing baseball. Like I just was going out and hitting and throwing and running and just being, you know, athletic and, you know, just, I was good at it. And Joey took it to a much more like measured and scientific level. You know, he controlled so much more. And I think what really set him apart still is his ability to, to practice at such a high level. Um, the game for him is, is almost just like feedback to his practice in a lot of ways. Um, he, he has the ability better than anyone I've ever seen to practice with almost perfection, you know, and expect such a high level of execution in his practice that like he's, he's the most prepared and the most in control of whatever he's trying to do out there. And I read about half of this book called talent is overrated. Hmm. I, I read about half of every book that I start <laughs> maybe at the most, right? But the one thing that stuck out to me in this book is that people's ability to hyper-focus and almost perfect practice is what makes like the good players the greatest. Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, and you know, Joey's a generational baseball player. I mean, he is by every account a Hall of Famer. And we'll have a statue in Cincinnati and you know, will go down as one of the most um, prolific and, and incredible hitters of this era. And it's because of his ability. Well, obviously he's talented, 
but the way he approaches and utilizes his talent is so efficient and so much better, like prepared than, than almost everyone. Yeah, no, I'll have to check out talent is overrated and like talking to the process. You were pretty, pretty good yourself. I believe you'll obviously be going down in the Reds Hall of Fame for certain. Um, Thank you. A three time all star, you know, Silver Slugger Award. How did you then take, I guess, going to back to you, Jay, is like you're taking, like you said, your high school coach. I'm sure your parents, you had great mentors. You said how critical to have that support, get to Cincinnati, having a great peer like Joey. Scott, then how did you, because you became a leader in the locker room yourself, you know, how did then you take and then put that process into a 14 year career? Was it just your daily routine, having a good morning routine? I know is important workouts, you know, what, what then was able to give you that sustainable success? I think it's figuring out like what makes you tick, you know, and everyone, you know, the leader roles like thrown on a lot of people, especially when they're younger and they're good and they're, you know, they're in a position to where, you know, they're going to be around a while. And um, I think that that role for me was, I was never like put my flag in the ground, like I'm a leader, but I think leading by example was more of my style. And I just tried to do things the right way, try to do things the right way. And I realized early on that relationships with the people I was around were extremely important and relationships in the sense that like, you have to understand what make other people go. You know, you cannot treat everyone the same. You can't, some people need a pat on the butt. Some people need a kick in the butt, you know, and talking to people, knowing people, like understanding what's going on in their life on a daily basis. And honestly too, Dusty Baker had such a large role. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is the biggest manager of people that I've ever met in my entire life. You know, the X's and O's on the baseball field, like, yeah, that's one thing, but the way this guy understands and approaches the human aspect of the game is something that I tried to really do as well. And I think that the, the stuff on the field kind of takes care of itself, especially at this level. Everyone's extremely talented. And everyone's very, very good. But I think the way you get through to people and the way you earn people's trust and gain their respect is to understand them and respect them as human beings. And then, as long as you're expecting and doing those things yourself, you can expect it out of them as well. And I think that that's the approach that I tried to take with, with quote unquote leadership and like that sustained um, approach to the game every single day is just lead by example. And you cannot ask people to do things that you're not doing. For sure. Now, now going back, you know, I think, um, you know, looking at your body of work, you played on a lot of different teams, right? The Reds, the Mets, Indians, Mariners, Phillies, Yankees. So once you left Cincinnati, you were on some special teams. I grew up a Cleveland Indians fan. Uh, that, that 2017 year looked pretty special, obviously, with that win streak. I believe it was 22 yeah. games where you helped prolong that. What does – because a lot of people that are looking in life as far as how to improve their life, like how to improve their team, right? You were on a lot of different teams. I guess the question is long-winded is – what makes those teams that you had that were the winning teams like the Indians in 2017, how important is, you know, was it the, the leadership that the players ran the clubhouse? Was it a combination of talent leadership in there? Like what, what makes a team successful or fail in your opinion? I think it's a combination of all of it. You know, um, going back to the manager situation, Tito was there. Incredible. Um, you know, and Tito, 
you know, has his way of doing it. You know, he, he's most of the time, he's the good cop. You know, he's the guy that, that has great relationships with the guys, but also there are channels of his, his tentacles are, are, you know, far and wide, you know, he makes sure to get the, the message across to people that he wants to get across while still kind of having that, that rapport with people that that's comfortable, that's um, inviting. And that has a lot to do with it. Obviously talent is, um, is extremely important in, in this game to be, to have, to excel. And I think figuring out a way to, in such an individual game at this level, because like, let's face it. I mean, this is, there's a lot of self-promotion in the game. There's a lot of, you know, I and me and, you know, how am I going to get mine? How am I going to get my numbers? How am I going to get my money? You know, how am I going to do things that, that propel me? Blending that with figuring out a way to ever have everyone pulling from the same end of the rope is it's complicated. And I don't know if there's an actual formula for it, but Cleveland, it was that. I mean, everyone was super comfortable with each other. Um, we were unbelievably talented and we had all the pieces of the puzzle, but we had all the pieces of the puzzle and we also pulled from the same end of the rope on every, on, on a daily basis. Um, yeah, I love that. You know, guys were honest with each other. Um, you know, again, that like everyone was doing the right thing. And so you could, exp- you could ask someone else by your, by your actions to do those things at a high level as well. Sure. Did- and so it wasn't pointing fingers. It wasn't shot calling. It wasn't any of that. It was just like, Hey, this is how we're doing it. And it was almost understood. Yeah. I was hoping, uh, I was hoping, uh, told Neil, I was like, we got to get you over to the Indians over there. Cause me and my dad grew up diehard Indians fans and that yeah. team, man, you guys, that, that, when you got over there, that, that team was just awesome. Does Tito, here's a selfish question being an Indians fan. Does he really eat that much bubble gum? I mean, my man just looks like he is just Dude. popping those things. Like it's huh. crazy. I mean, He'll run you out of bubble gum, you know, <laughs> and that sounds like hard to do, but I mean, the, the amount of bubble gum that still has a lot of flavor left in it, by the way, on the ground at his feet is absurd. It really is absurd. Oh man. It's incredible. The bubble gum he runs through is, is special. And does he still, did he really legitimately take the scooter like from his condo downtown? Was that legit yeah, story he rode too? The scooter, he rode the scooter every single day, man. Um, rode it in. It'd be parked right in the hallway right there. Oh man, sure. that that is just legendary. I, I just yeah. I had to confirm those two things because oh, you hear about it. But, yeah, oh, that's real. Man, that is just I, real. I would love to. I mean, talk about Tito and Dusty Baker yeah. from a guy watching from afar looks, and obviously it sounds the part. Um, what would you say? You know, I think you know as as we're moving through this. You know, you said in your retirement um, press conference in New York, I hope I left it better than I found it. Meaning the game of baseball. Now that you've had time, Jay, to kind of just decompress, step away from the game, how do you feel about what you said, you know, with that quote? Oh, man, it's, it's such a layered, you know, uh, thing to say for me, and it's a, a layered question for you to ask. And it's something that I feel very strongly about and take very seriously because, you know, I, like I said, I learned from the people that I feel like were had the game pointed in the right direction when I was learning from them. And I wanted to do the same thing. I wanted to do the same thing on the field, off the field. And I always wanted my body of work on the field and how I was viewed. And um, I guess, you know, seen as a, 
as a person to always be paramount. I didn't, you know, everyone has ego when you get to this level, there's always an ego involved, but I wanted to do my best to always try and, you know, kind of like push that back in the box. Um, you know, keep it, have enough of it utilized to get where I needed to go, but, but not have that be the leading, um, character, you know, attribute for me. And I wanted to do things the right way. I wanted to hustle. I wanted to, you know, jog when I hit home runs. I wanted to, you know, be a good teammate. I wanted to be someone who was a steward of the game when someone watches it, who's never played the game before to be like, wow, that looks like that guy does it the right way. And listen, the game's changed a lot and it's going to continue to change. And I think it has to, it has to evolve to, um, to still be the most popular game. You know, it has to gain popular because, you know, kids want cool stuff these days. Kids want to want it to look cool and want it to be, you know, feel cool. And um, I'm all for that. I'm all for that. And I think with that statement that I said, I, I do think I left it better than I found it um, because I hope and I feel like the people that I came across in the game appreciated and respected my approach. And if I left one person with, with some knowledge or some um, information that, that helps them succeed more then I did my job. You know, um, I wanted to treat people with respect. I wanted to treat the clubhouse manager and the cook and the field guy with the same amount of respect I treated Joey. And I think that it goes back to the relationships. It goes back to how, you know, anyone can turn over my baseball card or go to baseballreference.com and be like, oh, Jay, you know, had three all-stars and mm-hmm. one, two silver sluggers. And, oh, he also hit two thirteen one year, blah, 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 blah. But I think that what people aren't going to be able to see for themselves, but maybe hear from other people is, hey, man, this guy was awesome. He was a great teammate. Um, he was honest. You know, he went about things the right way. And he played the game how it's supposed to be played. And that's ambiguous. You know, that's every for up to up to people's interpretation. But um, I, I do lay my head down at night pretty confident that, you know, I did it the way I thought was right and gave people the same respect that, that I wanted. And, I mean, I gave it hell, man. Like, I, you know, I, I, I tried to, to do it, you know, approach the game how I approach my life. And that's just be honest you know, work hard at it and, you know, be truthful with myself and other people. Yeah. Well, I mean, from, from my perspective and obviously my relationship with one of your ex teammates, I mean, I think like he said, I said, Who, who's one of your ex teammates? Who's the first to, to, I should uh, reach out for the podcast as this thing's grown. He's like, hands down Jay Bruce. So I think he just said, he's a good human cool. being first and foremost. And I think here in Cincinnati, man, like, you know, you're, you know, you walk into different places and if they've ever had an experience with you, whether it's a restaurant um, I go play old man baseball with Red's fantasy camp. So I, I, uh, my father-in-law convinced me to do that. So maybe one day we'll see you out there. It's uh, pretty ridiculous, but fun in the same sense. So one day maybe you'll get out there, um, and, uh, be a coach or something, but you know, everyone that has came into contact, like you said, I think that that is definitely has been the case. Um, talking about community relationships, I know you did a lot in the community. Can you kind of talk about 
you know, different things you've done through your career or what you're doing now, as far as, you know, community involvement? Yeah. Well, um, you know, I feel like all that stuff's really important. And I think that as athletes and, and people that are kind of on a, on a national, you know, on a, on a platform to that, that are people are looking at and listening to, I think that, you know, I wouldn't call it a moral obligation or anything like that, but I think that, you know, it would, for me, it felt like a moral obligation and it's something I wanted to do. And it's something what I, the way I approached was, it was very easy because the, what I was focusing on from a charitable aspect, it hit, it hit very close to home. Uh, my sister has intellectual and developmental disabilities. Um, I think formerly maybe known as special needs, but I think we've since um, evolved that and, and put a put a better wording to it. Um, but you know, seeing people with IDD and families that that have to you know kind of traverse that that landscape, it, it, it's difficult. It's not it's not easy. And you know, growing up with my sister, I I almost became it was I not kind of numb to it. You know, it was normal for me. Like my family dealt with it and, you know, she dealt with it. She, and she, you know, had some great experiences, had some terrible experiences. And my goal was to kind of set out and normalize um, and give these, these people and families opportunities that, that we all have and try and facilitate, you know, growth and the opportunities to work and to um, participate in sports and, you know, just be a part of the community from a social aspect, um, regardless of, of the, the limitations that you may have. And it's something I still do today. So I have a golf tournament, um, a charity golf tournament that I host, and this will be the 12th, I think 11th actual tournament because last year was a virtual auction because of COVID. Sure. Uh, but this will be my 12th, uh, charity golf tournament that I host. And, um, it goes to kids and families with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And, you know, throughout my time in Cincinnati, there were a lot of things that I did, um, that helped with that. You know, I believe in, in youth baseball, I, I feel like you not, not select, not, you know, going out and paying to play. I feel like youth little league baseball in some aspect is so important for communities. It's so important for, people that may not have the opportunity to, to go play on a specialized team. Um, and, you know, because getting people the opportunity to getting the most people to play baseball as you possibly can, no matter of your race or your, you know, your social, where you fall on the social ladder or the financial ladder, the way to keep this game pushing on towards being the most popular sport in the world with the best athletes playing it, you just have to get the most people playing it. You have to expose them to it. And I don't know how to do that, but it's something that I plan on kind of trying to tackle in the future because I love baseball. I love the game. I love everything about it. I love the people who play it. And I want the best athletes in the world to always want to play baseball. And so we'll see what happens. But um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, the charity stuff, I think that, as an individual, you have to just kind of figure out what meshes with, with what you're feeling, you know, what, what you think is important and everyone's going to have different thoughts on that. You know, some people 
you may not care at all about your causes, but if you feel like they're important and you have the energy to, to pursue them, I think it's, it's awesome. And I think that that's what makes it all go around is everyone kind of, you know, has their own, their own ideas of what's important and how the world, how they can improve the world just a little bit. And I think if everyone does just a little bit, it'll, it'll end up being a lot. Yeah. I love that. Everyone does a little ends up being a lot. So many knowledge nuggets. I know just to kind of recap through how important having good people around you. I think that high tide rises all boats, like you said, or pulling the rope, use that analogy. Talent is overrated choke, you know, focusing on the process. So many great things of what has helped you sustain. So anyone that's listening, hopefully you're obviously taking some great knowledge nuggets from, uh, from Jay here. Um, as we conclude, I always ask this question, who is someone, this is the last question I have for you, who is someone we should have on the underdog podcast that maybe you might be able to make happen and why? I know that, that, that can, that can be a, that can be a, that's a tough tough one. Everyone always takes a deep breath. It is is tough. Um, You know, I think Jesse Winker might be a good guy to have on the podcast. And the reason is Jesse and I have known each other for a long time. Now we act, we never actually played together, but Jesse visits me every off season. Uh, He comes down and stays, you know, a week or four day, whatever he he's started to duck hunt with me down here a little bit. That's pretty much all that I've done. since I've retired is hunted or done things to get ready. to hunt. Um, but Jesse is kind of uh, the middle child when it comes to the, the eras, you know, changing. Um, I don't know if you listen to hip hop at all, but um, you know, Jay Cole's song, middle child, they, he, he kind of talks about how he's like stuck in between the cultures, you know, like the old school and the new school and like trying of like where what's right for him and, and how to press on the right way without selling out one way or another is important. And I think Jesse is, um, is kind of in that spot. Um, you know, the game has never forced people to act and be cooler, you know, be more individualized, um, Instagram, social media, and opportunities to frankly make a lot of money off the field. Um, I, it's, it's becoming a thing, you know, it's becoming very, very important to people and very important to brands and very, you know, it's how can you market yourself the most, but then you also have the, the double, the other side of the sword that, you know, how are you going to fit in to your team and how are you going to be this wholesome you know, like addition by addition part of a, of a, of an organization and a team. And how are you going to lead a group of people without, without having your ego get in the way? And, you know, I think Jesse, first of all, he's, I mean, incredibly talented. I mean, he's had an awesome year. The kid can really, really hit. Um, But like, he's getting to that point now where he's like, Hey, you're not that young anymore. You know, like you're not a kid, but he comes from that. He like, he's still drawn to that, like the coolness part of it, you know? And I think that he's finding his way and he's doing a good job of, of, of walking that line. And I think that um, he'd be a good person to, to get on, to kind of grill about that a little bit, honestly, because I've had multiple, multiple conversations with him about like, Hey dude, like, why, why did you do that on the field? Like, why did you, right? you know, give a thumbs up to the pitcher or why did you, whatever, why are you yapping it? Whatever, whatever it may be. Like I've, I've asked him, I'm like, I would never do that. 
but I also understand like he that's part of the game now like the taunting and like the celebrations and the all that stuff is like it's part of it the banter and it's 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 leaking onto the field more than it ever has and I'm not saying it's a bad thing at all. I'm saying that, you know, people are going to have to evolve and, and make, um, find their, you know, kind of be their own dogma, find their own, their own way. And um, I think he's a good one to ask. I really yeah. do. I think he, he could, um, you know, he could share some light on that. You know, he recently had a, he recently had a baby girl. So like fatherhood's coming into play now. Like he, he's kind of such a blend of like, you know, the young, cool Instagram kid, but also now he's a dad that like has to, put food on the table. So, yeah, um, no, I love that. Someone I've enjoyed getting to know and, um, you know, he's going to be around Cincinnati, I think for a while. So I think he'd be a good guy to have on. Yeah. Well, good luck on, uh, I don't know much about dunk, duck hunting, hunting, goodness, can't even speak there, <laughs> but I don't know much about it. Um, so best of luck in, in that, Thanks. uh, in that I, I have no idea, but maybe, maybe we'll have to figure out how to, I know it's a big thing, so I didn't know. It's, I, it's, I love it. I love it. And, you know, the, what I love about it most, honestly, is so I have a dog and I love him, Zangarchi. And I am so much more interested in watching him work, going to pick up the ducks than actually shooting ducks. And yeah, um, that has kind of become a new chapter of, of my outdoor adventures. So it's good. Yeah, love it. Well, Archie, and I uh, appreciate your time. Uh, yeah, man two sons i know you're, you're a busy man and with your wife hannah yeah. so best of luck to your family thank you so much appreciate man. you sharing your story and spending time with me oh, and dude. uh and uh nothing but uh i believe the best is ahead for you and i know you're gonna do great things so thank you so much well i appreciate you having me man and um anyone that's good with me is good with me so um i'd love to be back at some point and uh good luck with with you know future success for y'all and um Paula, if you need anything awesome thanks jay appreciate it brother I don't know. See you.